Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the podcast. Our good buddy Brandon Berg is going to join me here in just a little bit. We're going to talk some baseball with him, pitchers and catchers reporting, uh, some non-traditional sports. I, I shouldn't say non-traditional sports, but outside the top four, you know, what what's maybe the next sport that you kind of like religiously watch, if if you will, or pay attention to outside of basketball, football, uh, hockey, and, and baseball and such. So we're going to talk about that and and all of uh, all that good stuff there. But I want to talk some basketball to lead this off. I want to talk some talk some Bucks basketball. So the quote unquote first half of this Bucks season is is in the books. Okay. Again, we know it's not an even 50-50. It's like 65% through. But for argument's sake, for, for discussion's sake here, we're 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 calling this the conclusion of the of the first half with the all-star break here. Now here. Okay. So with this first half in the books how would you assess this very and maybe that's the other question we could put into this too is like how would you describe in one word or maybe just in a couple of words how would you describe this bucks season so far the first word that kind of came to my mind was like chaotic because you open up the season i mean it's you open up right before the season starts. You trade for Damian Lillard, which I think surprised a boatload of us. Like there was probably a lot of us, like, "Oh, that would be cool to have Damian Lillard," but it ain't gonna happen. And it happened. It actually happened. And I think it just like, "Wow, okay, let's go." And I think it also before even before that, with the new head coach and Adrian Griffin coming in, maybe surprised some. Like, "Oh, okay." You're, you're you're giving the job to a first-time head coach, okay? Interesting, but some of the stuff that maybe the team needed to get better at—that was supposed to be his background, defense, and kind of mentoring younger players. Like, okay. And then you get the Giannis extension after the Dame trade. <laughs> then I completely forgot. Even like the offseason before that, you had Giannis saying, "Hey, I, you know, I, I'm not signing an extension right now. It just doesn't make any sense, and I got to see if the team, you know, is going to be committed." Then he does sign the extension. So, I mean, all that whirlwind before the season officially tipped off in, in October against against Philadelphia at the end of October. There, it's like, oh, okay, Giannis locked up. We got Dame. Let's go, baby. And you got a third place team. Right now in the Eastern Conference standings. I know technically second in division, but again, the NBA, I don't really pay attention to the divisions that much. If at all. But third seed, their coach coach fired. First year head coach fired. You bring in a guy who's been around forever, Doc Rivers. And the Doc Rivers era is not off to a great start. Win-loss record-wise. What, 3-7 and seven right now? Just 10 games into it. Maybe seeing a little bit of a better defensive performance, but offensively now it's kind of like, okay, where's that high-scoring offense that we saw in the first few months of the season, first couple months of the season here? It's not very good complimentary basketball right now. Yet here they are for as, I mean, sometimes I feel like we just like kind of make it sound like the Bucks are just this bad, awful team and, here they are, third in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, is that even, maybe for, for some, that's a positive for because they're not playing their best basketball. They're not even close to playing their best basketball, and they're kind of treading water right now at that third spot. And it's just one of those, it's like, okay, you know, get through the regular season, get a decent seed in the postseason. And once you get in the postseason, that's when you kind of turn it on. That's that's when you get going. But I would say you, you want some momentum riding into the postseason. I mean, we've seen it a couple of years where the Bucks kind of, go into the postseason and didn't feel like they were playing their best hoops or maybe not having a ton of momentum and it saw an early exit 
for, for the Bucks at that point. So, I mean, you could go with it a bunch of different ways right now. I guess if I had to kind of put a grade on the first half, and I'm using air quotes, I know some of you can't tell, first half of this NBA season, I'd, for, for, for the Bucs, I'm probably going like a C. Because part of it is, okay, they're still the third seed, okay. But there's been ups and downs, and then when you have to fire your coach, and it's just, it's it hasn't been perfect. Some spots have been good. Others have been blah. Last night was one of those blah when you're going up against a completely depleted Memphis team. And you got your guys playing, Giannis playing, Dame playing, Brooke playing, and you can't win that game. Now I know, like, especially in the first quarter, first half, hey, Memphis, that's where it, sometimes it gets dangerous when you're going up against a team that doesn't have, you know, pr- nobody's expecting them to do anything. Bunch of young guys. I mean, you had a guy starting the game last night for Grizzlies who were on a 10-day contract. Sometimes those games get a little dangerous because you just got those young guys out there that are like, hey, we got nothing to lose. We're going to take advantage of our opportunity right now. We're going to go ball out. And – Give Memphis credit. They did that. I don't know if the Bucks overlooked them a little bit. I don't know if they just like, yeah, okay, we're going to take care of business of this one. You know, Doc calling them out saying some guys were here, some were already in Cabo. Nonetheless, it's a bad loss. And we've seen that times before, right? We've seen it. I think it was at uh, the game, was it, with the with the Lakers? Was it Lakers-Celtics or Lakers played somebody? And they didn't have Anthony Davis. They didn't have LeBron, and they just like, put a butt whooping on them or something. So, I mean, we 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 see that, but still, it's still a bad loss for for the Bucks. And we've seen instances of this before. And that's where it's just been so inconsistent for me. I'm I'm going to see and and maybe for some that's a little too high because have higher expectations. So maybe they're at a D plus or something. I, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's been average. It's been average. And I hope after this break, and, you know, maybe one downfall of this break here too is that Doc is coaching the Eastern Conference. You know, maybe for some, they would rather have it be another coach so he can maybe work with his assistants and try to, figure something out and, and try to get everybody on the same page, use that extra time uh, to, to work on the issues that's kind of plaguing the Bucks right now. But, I mean, after the game Sunday, you still got a few days after that, and you got a couple days leading up to it. And really you're not putting a whole lot of effort into coaching the All-Star game. Let's be real. You're just getting guys some minutes here and there. So, but that's definitely with – this next half of the season coming up, the final half of the season, with the Bucks schedule, it's one of the toughest in the NBA. And I look at, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and there's a stretch at the beginning of March in the middle of March where it's like, oof, okay, this is going to be tough. You got, these are your games. Clippers, Warriors who are playing better basketball right now. Lakers, you don't know what to expect. Clippers, Sacramento, Philly, Phoenix, Boston. That stretch right there is playoff teams. Lakers, I know, is the one kind of on the edge there, but that is a tough-as-nails stretch. Coming up, beginning of March, in the middle of March. And it doesn't really get any easier right right when you come back from from the All-Star, right? Because you're on the road against Minnesota, and then right after that you're on the road against Philly. And I know Philly with Joel Embiid, it's a little bit different there, but still. But that stretch in, in March, I know we got a few weeks away, maybe yeah, a little less than a month away from that, but that is going to be brutal. And a lot of those games are going to be on the road. Of that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, of those eight games, one, two, three, four, five of the eight are on the road. We know the Bucks are a much better team at home. Boston is on the road. 
Clippers is a home and on the road. Sacramento, road. Warriors, road. Lakers, road. But this is where I want to see now as we get into this second half. Got to start to come together here. Got to start to figure out the complementary basketball part of this. Okay, you're getting a little bit better defensively. But what's going on offensively now? It's all got to mesh. And I know Doc and his staff are trying to, you know, incorporate what they want to do into, you know, slowly bringing it in. You can't just completely, you know, stop it. And then, and, and I realize there's probably growing pains with this thing. But now you've got to get it going. You've got to get that momentum. You've got to start playing as a cohesive group. This, this team is way too talented, way too talented to not be a contender for the NBA title this year. But I think if you ask a lot of people, they're, they may not be picking the Bucks to maybe even go to the Eastern Conference Finals at this point. And that's inexcusable for a team of this talent level. I mean, last night you had Giannis double-double, but it wasn't a typical double-double for him in points and rebounds. It was points and assists. 35 points and 12 dimes. 12 assists. Just four rebounds for Giannis, though. Dame, 24 points, seven assists. After that, yeah, it was Bobby Portis coming off the bench with 15. Brooke just 14. I mean, the Bucks struggled big time from three. 25%. Memphis, meanwhile, shot 50. 50% from three. They shot 53% overall from the field. You had Gigi Jackson coming off the bench for Memphis and putting up 27 points. Bench production outside of Bobby Portis for the Bucks last night, nine total. That's it. So this is what I want to see in the second half. I want to see this team starting to come together, starting to figure it all out and putting it all together. Putting it all together. I don't know if Gallinari is going to be coming over and he's going to be a big difference maker. You know, he had options with other teams, it sounds like. Was it uh, the Nick or, or was it uh, 76ers? I mean, playoff teams were interested in him. He comes over. He's familiar with Doc. He's a career 15.2 points per game, 4.7 rebounds. Last couple of years, hasn't been those numbers. It's been below. But how much of a you know force is he going to be? Difference maker is he going to be? coming to this team. I think he's going to get some minutes coming off the bench. I think he's going to take minutes away from maybe guys who aren't producing because of Doc Rivers' familiarity with him. But how how big of a difference maker will it be? It, it remains to be seen. But this team's got to start to figure it out here in the second half and start to put everything together. I'm willing to, you know, the 10 games under Doc, give it a little bit of time till they all kind of mesh here. Get on the same page here, but that now you you got to get her going here. Got to got to take care of business. And as far as you know, the one question, kind of thrown out there to have a little fun with is, uh, which team do you trust the most right now to go win you a ball game, Badger basketball or the or Bucks basketball? Uh that's a toss up for for me at this point in time. I hate to cop out on it, but that's kind of a toss-up for me. I don't know who the heck to to trust at this point in time. I have no idea who I'm going to be trusting. So as we head into the break, here's your standings currently in the association. Boston holding a six-game lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are in second. Milwaukee's eight and a half back from Boston, two and a half back from Cleveland. The Knicks, four seed, a whopping 10 games back from Boston. Philadelphia is your five. Indiana is your six. And for the last four in, who would be in that play-in? 
You got Miami at the seven, Orlando at the eight, Chicago at the nine, Atlanta at ten. Western Conference, a little bit different here. This is this Eastern Conference and this Western Conference is giving me flashbacks to just not that long ago where it seemed like the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference were where you had teams that were below five hundred making the postseason here. And it's 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 kind of that way if we add in, you know, the last two teams, the nine and the tens here in the Eastern Conference, but Western Conference, every top ten teams all have winning records. Minnesota holding on to that one spot. OKC one and a half back. Clippers two. Denver three. Phoenix six back. Pelicans six back. That's your top six. So your top six, the six team is just six games back from first place compared to, to the Eastern Conference where your six seed is 12 and a half games back. Dallas, Sacramento, Lakers, Golden States all uh, rounding out for, for the top ten there. That's where things stand at this point in time. So, yeah, you look at that again, that that schedule coming up here beginning in March for uh, for, for the Bucks. You want to know why they have one of the toughest ones? It's because of that stretch of Clippers, Golden State, Lakers, Clippers, Sacramento, Philly, Phoenix, Boston. All playoff teams right now. And then, you know, you got a game against Brooklyn in there, and then you got OKC right after that, Lakers again. And New Orleans. New Orleans is a playoff team. I mean, for crying out loud, we take a look at this. Minnesota's a playoff team. Philadelphia's a playoff team. Charlotte's not. Chicago is. Clippers are. Every okay, so see if I can do this on the fly. One, Charlotte. Chicago is. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not, but they're not that far out from that final spot. Holy moly. One, two, three, four. Wow. Of the Bucks remaining, if my math is correct, looking at this this schedule up here in the studio, the remaining games for, for the Bucks, only five teams right now are not playoff teams. The rest are all playoff teams. They got Charlotte a couple times, not a playoff team. They've got Brooklyn, not a playoff team. They've got Toronto, not a playoff team. Memphis again and Washington. Everybody else is playoff teams. Holy moly. We're going to take a quick break, and our good buddy Brandon Berg is going to be joining me here after these quick words. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. Brandon, we've got uh, Daytona 500 coming up. Yes. If I asked you this question, taking away the big four, just in general, baseball, football, and I'm encompassing college football into it. Okay, yeah. Basketball and hockey. What's the next sport that maybe you watch the most or pay attention to to the most, would you say? And is the Daytona something that is like appointment viewing for you, like Kentucky Derby? Yes. You know, sort of thing. It is. Is it Daytona? It is. Um, It's odd because obviously NASCAR is different in that it starts the year with its biggest event. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's kind of weird. Normally, obviously, you kind of have that build up to the end. But, no, it's one of those things, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm not nearly as big of a NASCAR fan as I was in my younger days. But Mm -hmm. it's still something like I've just come to the conclusion, like, I'm always going to have a general interest in it just because I have a lot of interest and respect in the sport itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just... There's a lot of moving parts that go into it that I've always found really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, otherwise I would say golf is certainly up there, especially when you're factoring, you know, the majors. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. as we know, there's always a bit there's a bit more buzz for, you know, when it's the Masters. I mean, yep. that's obviously the, the big one. And especially if T-Dub's in there. Right, right. Yeah. Which I probably can't call him anymore since he said that that logo's gone. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know your mom chimed in about uh, the, the logo. I, Brandon's mom, I'm not buying that logo. 
I don't, I don't like it yet. I don't like it. Yeah, after you're on you? Yeah, we talked about it on Wednesday. Um, I would have... I know some people probably would have said he was copying his buddy. I would have gone with a fist pump shadow logo. Like like Jordan's Jumpman sort of thing. Yeah. But, and, and the other thing that bothers me is the, the 15 stripes signifies his championship. What if he wins another one? And they say they're going to have to redo it. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. No. So. And you say you got the 15 stripe one and that was only yeah. around for a year or whatever. But yep. No, not yeah. you. So. But I won't say no to to one of somebody you know, yeah. like gifted one like Veronica got me one or something. So anyways, sorry. But but yeah, I mean, golf I think would definitely be in there. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of you know, some other ones. But those are the ones. Yeah, tennis. Do you major championships on there a little bit? Olympics. Would you put Olympics in that, in that um, equation? It depends. I mean, we've been lucky like, you know, in recent years that we've had some local connections there. Mm-hmm. And that always helps. Like, right. If you're looking for a reason to watch the Summer Olympics, you know, Kenny Benarek's running, like, obviously yep. that's a big deal. Yep. So, but I I still would go, for me personally, I think I would still go NASCAR just on a weekly basis. Like, you know, there's certain times of the year, like, I'll, you know, with it being Sunday afternoon, generally I'm not working on Sundays. So if I'm not out, you know, doing something, I might just, oh, okay, I'll watch race or mm-hmm. I'll sit down, you know, for a while. And, you know, I don't necessarily do that as much for other things. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I went through, I don't want to call it a phase, but there was a point in time when I was like in high school that I tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it actually might have been a little bit after. Well, the the peak as far as NASCAR goes, viewership wise, I mean, you can say whatever you want as far as just with the sport itself. The peak viewership wise is 2005. Honestly, that's probably Which, kind of where I, yeah. maybe a little bit before that. but Because, it, I mean, it really blew up in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and and one of the, and, I mean one of the things I've said for a long time and now more than ever, especially as you you learn more about him after the fact, was just how smart Dale Earnhardt was. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people when you think of Dale Earnhardt, you think of you know, quote unquote, this dumb redneck. But that's not the case. He was very very smart when it came to like merchandising and branding and stuff like that. And him basically going to Jeff Gordon, who at the time was you know the young hotshot clean cut guy, and saying, Hey, look, like. We can make some money off this, like even though they weren't, you know, like they didn't dislike each other. Like, yeah. let's you know, let's try to play this up a little bit, and it did. I mean, that was the case in the '90s where you had oh gosh, that, I can you, remember people. I mean, you were like, you know, yeah. eighty-five, ninety percent of people, you're either Earnhardt or Gordon, right? And then that led. I mean, and look at any sport; those larger-than-life personalities lead to success for the whole sport, mm-hmm. and that was the case when you got into the early two thousands, and then. You know that you know hit that success continued even after her died in two thousand one, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like I, I would not consider myself an NASCAR fan. I remember exactly finding out when Ernard died mm-hmm. because of you knew who he was, even if you weren't a fan. Right. He was one of those sports figures that was just kind of almost larger than the sport itself, right? And I still remember finding out like how I found out in the day, yeah, of, of finding that out, you know, and. And it was, I think it was actually like maybe shortly after that, or maybe a couple years after that, because I tried to get into it. You know, I tried to be like a Dale Junior. You know, yeah, and that, that was that kind of the thing. And... He kind of took the the label, you know, kind of the the lead as far. I mean, he won the most popular driver award in in, in the Cup Series so many times, and he kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, he he was that perfect, you know, you know, hotshot young face that was good, right? You know, and he's you know he's driving the car sponsored by beer, and he's doing all these other things, and he's you know he's yeah he just it worked, mm-hmm. it clicked. Like you just when when you see sports leagues that have success, there's just certain things that just like work. And when it was on NBC, and that was a big thing too, because up until 2000, the actual you didn't have kind of like a uniform TV schedule, you know, like you had for other sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, each track had this, had a deal with a network, mm-hmm. so that's why one week you'd see a race on CBS, and then the next week you'd be on ABC, and it was hard to keep track of. Right. But since 2001, you know, it's been Fox for the first half or pretty much the first half of the year. And then, you know, it was NBC and then it, you know, then it changed to ESPN and ABC had it for a while. Then it went back to, you know, NBC. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's just easier to, right. easier to find. Uh, when it was on NBC though, I think part of it was because they had the Metallica Fuel song yes. as a theme song on there. Yep. So that probably what drew me in there too. I love that song. Yep. The little guitar riff there towards the end. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anytime you put that in, that was smart too. That got right. me hooked there. Yeah, they were, at that time, there was just doing something about NBC and theme songs when it comes I to get, their sports. NBC Sports knows what they're doing mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But yeah, because they had the rise, the rise, and yeah, 2005 was as far as TV viewership goes the most the most popular. And mm-hmm. 
I mean, now they don't really do attendances for races, but you, every, you know, you had places what, dwarfing anything you got that week out of like an NFL or a college mm-hmm. football game, and you were right. 150. I mean, there was a point where you could make the case that the hottest ticket in sports was for the night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. There was a waiting list. I know because my mom, like, I have an, an uncle that went to that race for many, or went to, I think he went to the spring race, but like. You knew, like, if you wanted to go to this race, like, you had to get on a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it took a while to get to the point where you could go. Right. Because it was such a popular race because it was a, you know, Bristol was a very short track. You had a lot of action. And it was it was built up like a coliseum. Mm-hmm. Like, they kept building seats there. And suddenly, next thing you know, you've got 150, 160,000 around this little half-mile track that's, you know, in the you know in the sticks in Tennessee. Right. But it became incredibly popular there. You know, it's funny you mentioned the 05 because... That's when Talladega Nights, the movie, came out, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. When, when, you know, the height of that peak. Right, you know? right. I mean, then, obviously, the, you know, Will Ferrell, you know, yep. they were able to kind of jump in at a good time. Right. And, you know, I like Talladega Nights. Like, it's it's one of those, it's a movie that, like, it's funny. And, and in some ways, it kind of, you know, pokes fun at NASCAR, but not, like, in a bad way. Just, like, maybe some of the stereotypes some people have with it. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it really so, highlights so, the stereotypes. Yeah, more so the stereotypes. So yeah. Like, if you kind of understand that. Like sponsorships and, you know, the, yes. the way they, you know, talked or whatever. Yeah, different, yes, stuff. yes. Yeah. But, yeah, I remember going to the theater a lot. And when you said 2005, yeah, yeah, it was about 05. Yeah. On a date for, for that one. How'd that no. go? Was it Veronica? No. Okay, so well, then, 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 then it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was trying to think like, okay, outside the top four, I feel like the other sports that I kind of watch or pay attention to, it's so event oriented. Yes, yes, and because even for golf, like I love golf, but I'll tell you what, if there's a random tournament on that's not a major, it's tough. To <sighs> Unless yeah. you know there's a couple of bigger name players, yeah. In it. Like you're like not... if it's Tigers in contention, right? At some non-major tournament, I'm probably watching that, right? You know, otherwise, I'll be real. Probably not. Right. So, Same. but you know, after that, I'm trying to think. Olympics, yeah, and that's only every few years, so that's a little bit different. And and that I aspect, would like but, to be able to get into like the English Premier League because I have friends that are. I try to I, get into it. I don't know. I just like, yeah. and I like. I know, I've, I've grown to appreciate soccer, as you know, I've covered it with my job and stuff, and I appreciate how they do certain things with the league when it comes to like relegation and stuff like that, and how there's different levels to it. I like that. Mm-hmm. But I would just have to find like my in, like what you know, what's my in, what's my reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Hudson actually asked me a question. I want to see if I answered it the right way in your opinion. He asked me this last night. He's like, Dad, what sport's more popular, soccer or baseball? I said, World Soccer, U.S. Baseball. I think that's correct, but I think soccer's making some good gains in this. Country. I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Worldwide, it's huge. Yeah, well, right? oh yeah, and worldwide. you go pretty much. And everywhere. baseball's worldwide too, but it is. It's... But yeah, like you go to pretty much any other country, mm-hmm. you know, soccer or football, as it's called, pretty much everywhere else. Like right. that's the sport of choice, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I, I was trying to think like there, and no, it's got to be event event oriented for me. Certain ones I can't watch. All I'll tell you right now, like I'm not going to be. <laughs> I won't be paying attention to the spring football league that much. I mean, I'll I'll catch it, I'll yeah, like, check it out, but yeah. I'm not going to be like NFL. I would die hard. I would really like them to find a way to be able to like have each team send like four guys to it, because then it's each a, NFL team to send yes. four. Yeah, yeah, kind of like NFL Europe, though. Yes, exactly. And that that I mean, we know how many good examples there are of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Kurt Warner, yep. Mike Muslowski from Thorpe. Yep, he went and played over there, and then ended up having a, a pretty solid career with Kansas City Chiefs. Like, there's a lot of people that that helped. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think. It, it's and, like a feeder minor system sort a of bit. thing, like you I, know. You just and I, you know, then when you have a connection, like yep. look, they're not going to, you know, the Packers wouldn't send Jordan Love, but right, but maybe it's your practice squad guys, yeah, or you some know. fringe roster guys. Exactly, that, like, we want to get a little bit more of a look at this guy, and mm-hmm. then you hear, oh, this, you know, this team has two Packers guys on it. Okay, yep, you might want to take a look, especially if it's you know some fringe quarterback because everyone loves a backup quarterback, right? I because I, a lot of those times too. Let's face it. Those fringe guys, you may not know how good they. They may be decent, but a lot of it is name recognition too. Let's be real. Yeah, you know, so they may not get a shot. They may be lighting it up in practice and such. But yeah. I no, I agree. I would like to see. I that. think that's a great idea. Even if it was just you know four guys, mm-hmm. you know that's four times thirty-two. 
128 so guys. So almost maybe kind of like the NBA? Yeah, a bit like with the G League. Yeah. You know, because once in a while you'll have some of the Bucks guys go down there to the herd, whether it's just a practice or something. Or, but, yeah, something, and then they call them up or something like that. Yeah. So. But you're right. I mean, I'm, I mean, if it's a, if it's a Saturday in April, and I'm just kind of flipping around. Oh, here's the, whatever this. Maybe I'll watch for like five minutes. If there's a, you know, see if there's any names I recognize. But mm-hmm. you know, the one sport I really wish I could have gotten involved or really into watching, and I think it's it, a lot of it could just be who's involved. I boxing. Yeah, like at the peak. Like cause mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember like the tail end of you know what I would consider to be the boxing peak, you mm-hmm. know, like the later 90s. Like Tyson and Holyfield. Remembering that, yeah. how big of a deal like the Tyson-Holyfield fight, fights were, and even when he, you know, later on Tyson boxed Lennox Lewis. I mean, the, right. uh, was it, uh, chasing, what was it, chasing Tyson? So 30 for 30. Yeah. It's a really good one. It talks mm-hmm. about how, obviously, they wanted Tyson-Holyfield for like the early 90s, and mm-hmm. Mike Tyson went to jail, so he couldn't have prison, so he couldn't have that. Like, the roundabout path, they finally got the matchups they wanted, and it wasn't quite what they were you know, maybe mm-hmm. hoping for just because of the controversy with it. But, yeah, like, there was a time where, like, you know, boxing was, like... Yeah. and you Because you had so many of these larger-than-life characters. And, again, that's... Look at any of these sports. You know, I mentioned with NASCAR. When you had these larger-than-life characters that you could gravitate towards. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk some baseball after these quick words. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Rob Manfred retiring five years. I was gonna say twenty twenty. Don't don't delay the don't delay the the fun part. Right. Uh, so you got that. Also, everybody's complaining about the New Jerseys uh, out there, saying they look like the cheap knockoffs, which fans should be excited about. That means you can get away with wearing cheap knockoff jerseys. I would think. Well, but. this yeah, this suddenly opened up a uh, or reopened up the. Um, however, you got them because that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think of when that was about ten years ish ago. Maybe a little bit longer. Maybe a little longer. Yeah, yeah I know it is a little longer. Yeah. But everyone seemed to have the hookup. Yeah, they did, right? And you mean it was? Yeah, you're right. It was one of those things you could tell. But I think people were willing to do that because it was, you know, you were getting a very good deal on it. Fanatics, not so much. Yes, they are. Uh, they're having some problems. I think if if you want, you can find there are. On on various social medias, there are certain accounts dedicated to uh, fanatics and how they are messing things up. Right. You know, I order this, I got this, and I got this, and it's part this and part this, that kind of stuff. It's it's not good. It's not what you're looking for when, you know, so many of these sports leagues, like, that's your official provider of mm-hmm. swag. Well, is Rob Manfred, now, he has made some interesting comments over the years as commissioner kind of downplaying the World Series trophy famously. Uh, what do you say, like a hunk of metal a or something? A piece of tin or something Pissed, like that. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear what he said about testing these jerseys? No. This was his quote. Uh, the jerseys are different. They're designed to be performance wear as opposed to what's been traditionally worn, so they are going to be different, but they have been tested more extensively than any jersey in any sport. The feedback from the All-Star game last year where the jerseys were worn was uniformly positive from the players, so I think after people wear them a little bit, they're going to be really popular. Um, I'd be really curious to know what kind of testing was done right. more than any other jersey in any sport. Like, dude, do, do you that, realize? That just sounds like something somebody made up. Yeah. This is a guy who was a lawyer in his previous life or previous career, whatever we yeah. want to say. But it's like, you hear that? I'm like, Okay. Is this like, you know, I, I instantly think of, like, Tommy Boy when they're running through Zelensky Auto oh, and the, doing uh, all yeah. the testing You can and put all a that. guarantee on the box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, what what kind of testing do you do through this thing? I mean, for crying out loud. And the other thing I'm thinking of with this whole jersey debate is Costanza. Oh, the cotton jerseys. The cotton jerseys. From Seinfeld, yeah. yeah. Or for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, switching over from polyester to cotton, and then it's the shrinkage, you know, and all that stuff. I'm like, God. Lord, 
there's just sometimes this guy says some stuff that's like, you might want to run that by somebody first. Right, right. You know, but. Right. Sometimes workshop some of these, these thoughts you have. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you make of this uh, this notion with uh, owners pushing for a free agent signing period? Did you see this? I did. Uh, a little bit. So uh, reading a little bit here from, from the mothership, with several top free agents still unsigned, Manfred said that owners would prefer a free agent signing period similar to other sports in order to expedite the process. Uh, Manfred saying, we actually made proposals uh, to that effect to the Players Association. They were not warmly received. With the system we have right now, one of the tactics that's available to player reps is to stretch out the negotiation into belief they're going to get a better deal. That's part of the system right now. There's not a lot we can do about it. Certainly, from an uh, uh, aspirational perspective, we'd rather have two weeks of flurried activity in December, preferably around the winter meetings, where you're all there to write about it. So essentially he's saying like the NFL free agency period, right? That's what he's getting at. Right. At that point. Right. Now I know Boris already I mean oh, he, I can imagine. He came out and was like, Oh no, 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 no. You know, that's nope, that ain't happening and such. As a fan, would you like to see this? Yeah. I mean I can see the I can see why, because again, a lot of something people say about baseball's off season it's boring. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know. Like right. you, even this year the Brewers made their big moves within the last three weeks. Yep. As opposed to in the NFL, you kind of you have like those three days right. where 95% of free agents are signed and then some people slip through the cracks and there's kind of that second wave. But, yeah, I was just going to say, there's that second wave everybody talks about, but yeah. But uh, that's a little bit different too because in baseball and basketball too is similar. Yep. But with those sports, you also have the draft right after. Mm-hmm. And in those sports, usually your draft picks are making an immediate impact. So, like it's it's structured a little bit different, just fundamentally. So, right. I can't. I don't know if it can be the exact same, because it's. I mean, you you and I love the NFL draft, but it's yes. always hey, it's March. Yep. Here's a couple of weeks where you know we're going to see a bunch of signings, and mm-hmm. okay, and then you kind of digest that, and then it's you it's know, spaced out early. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the NFL does it on purpose. The NFL wants to dominate every news cycle. They do not want a time of the year where people aren't talking about the NFL. Exactly. And that happens in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've gotten used to, and you know, part of me does like the fact that you know, any day you never know. It could be some random Tuesday afternoon, or mm-hmm. you know, some Thursday night where I'm out covering something, and suddenly I get a text from you saying, "Well, I know what we're going to talk about tomorrow." And that's because <laughs> Corbin Burns got traded, right? And that was the first I'd heard about it. So, but I can understand that. But at the same time, I also understand on the players and agent side how they might not because I mean let's be real that's you know probably that's going to lose some of their negotiation leverage right because a big reason you know so many high profile people are still out there is because they haven't quite got the deals they want if they got the money they wanted they would have signed already right yeah exactly so I feel like baseball when it comes to major league and and the players association so many different factors have gone so far down the road where you can't like change it. Like salary cap's never happening. That's that's never going to happen in baseball. I feel like a lot of the stuff when it comes to baseball, they've let stuff go for so long that you just can't. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Right. Exactly. Is that the sense you get with yeah. with a lot of the stuff? Yep, I would agree. I mean, yeah, there there won't be a salary cap. Mm-hmm. There. I'm trying to think of some other examples of things baseball does differently. Right. But. You're right. Like, there's just certain things that, you know, you can't come back from that. I mean, that's the type of thing where if one side tried to go for it, that would lead to another labor dispute, which, who knows, still might happen. Right. You know, it's when that when that time comes again. I mean, we're not that far removed from 2021 when we had that. And... Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the Baseball Players Association's got the most sway than any other pro players association at this point? Could or be. is it, or is it could, or is it just because of the relationship between the two is the most? I think it's decisive, the most. Yeah, maybe that's divisive. a better way to put it. It's yeah. the most contentious. Like, yeah. I think the NFL, both sides right now, realize, hey, we've got a really good thing going. Mm-hmm. And I know in the past, you know, Aaron Rodgers and others have kind of spoke up when they've come to agreements that maybe weren't, you know, the best for the players. Mm-hmm. But I also think both sides understood, like, we got a good thing going. We know if there's a labor stoppage, we're going to chop into, you know, our. Right. Our fan base, and yep. the same with the NBA. Right. Yeah. I mean, the NHL doesn't care. Gary Bettman said multiple um, 
lockouts under his watch, and he doesn't really seem to care. So right, and you know, it just you don't. And this isn't a knock on him, but you don't really hear a whole lot about issues. It seems like with hockey too much anymore, right? I mean, no, they've see, changed a lot though they too. Have, so they have. It's, and honestly, for people that don't follow it, like I think NHL might be in some ways it's some of the easier to follow as far as like their contracts and stuff because mm-hmm. of the four sports they make the least amount. Right. Like your your top end players are still making you know, ten or eleven million dollars a year. Right. You know, their contracts tend to be hey, this person signed for four years, thirty million dollars, it's seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. Or it's, you know, escalates, but it's mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to follow with that. Right. And you, you have smaller markets that do have the opportunity to, to kind of keep their teams a little bit easier than maybe baseball does. And I'm saying that's not, it's not possible. I mean, look what the Royals just did with Bobby Witt Jr. Right. So it's, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, stump for the owners of smaller market teams and say, well, they can never keep their players. Well, you, there's ways. It's just maybe a little tougher and sometimes owners aren't as willing to as maybe they should be. Right. Exactly. So, uh, I'm sure, I, you know, the part when I saw that he was retired, then it's like five years from now. But because the vote, the owners vote or hire the the commissioner, right? They, they, I believe so. It's like the NFL. That's you know they because the commissioner works for the owners, uh, sort of thing. That's something always important to remember when it comes to like you know labor disputes and stuff like that. That yep. the commissioner is the one that takes all the heat for the owners. Pretty much, pretty much. He's you the know. fall guy for them, and they pay him handsomely for the privilege. Right. Yep. I know he was mentioned. I know we got a few years yet, but I know he was mentioned before Manfred got hired. But Mark Anasio, maybe potential commissioner again, another Brewers owner going over there. Maybe some Brewers fans want that so they get a new owner. I don't right. know, but but remember last time that happened with Butzilag, there was a period where that wasn't great because that's mm-hmm. when the team really was operating strictly to make a profit. Right. So, um, yeah, and that'll be kind of a big thing you hear over the next five years is, like, who are some of the faces? I mean, I'd already heard, like, Theo Epstein. Yeah, I heard who, that's a big one. Don't if, if you don't know, it was the GM for the Red Sox, GM for the Cubs, when yep. they ended their long streak. And you know, some of them just the been, Sox, yeah, no. just yep. been involved in baseball in a variety of, of fashions. Been a, you know, been a younger guy, but a guy that people feel kind of has, you know, kind of has his finger on the pulse of what's going on a little bit. If it is, Theo, what, do you, what would you make of that move? Do you think that would be a solid one just because of – you know, he's been around It'd be different. in different aspects of Major League Baseball, too. Because he also, you know, when he was done with the Cubs, I think he was with MLB for a little bit, like a consulting yeah. role. Yeah, um, I, I think it would be interesting because, yeah, it's somebody that's not coming from the, you know, the, the corporate, the lawyer world that Rob Manfred is, where obviously he kind of looks at things a certain way, mm-hmm. sometimes to his detriment. Whereas, at least there with uh, Epstein, you could make the case that he understands more on the baseball side of things. Right. Yeah. Because well, he's run multiple organizations. Trying to look, see if there's somebody's got a list of uh, potential candidates uh, out there right now. But I'll have to look it up because I'm sure that's good. We got years before yeah, we, we can all, do that. Yeah, unfortunately, and people know my, uh, listen, for any length of time, know my opinion of Rob Manfred. We got this time. I know. This time. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. Uh, Brewers-wise, though, we got uh, pitchers and catchers who are at camp. It sounds like a lot of the position players are there, too. Yeah, usually that happens where guys will get there early. Yep. Um, most of them will because, I mean, if it's like three days before you're supposed to report, guys will probably be like, well, might as well just get there. You know, get, mm-hmm. get the process going, get underway because baseball is such a, a slow ramp up. That's more so for pitchers, but it matters for hitters, too, so... You get there and you get going. Mm-hmm. Did you, by chance, happen to see? Uh, we, we touched on it a little bit yesterday, but the MLB uh, article about uh, the teams with uh, sneaky great offseason moves. I did actually. I think I read it last night. Okay, and the Brewers were listed on there. They were. Um, what were your thoughts? I mean, because you know, as as fans, you know, upset about Corbin, and then you know, you're you know, the, it's been a wave of emotions. I think for for this offseason, but these are. Baseball people, executives, kind of saying, kind of painting a, a maybe a little bit brighter picture on the Brewers and maybe what some fans have of their own team. What was your first impression, or what were your thoughts going through when you were reading some of the some of the quotes from these nameless executives out there? Um, I think it goes to show how far the Brewers organization in general has come, where they're going to get the benefit of the doubt in some of these cases. 
and I, look, I, I agree with some of the things that were said in that piece as far as, you know, Reese Hoskins, if he's healthy, can make a big difference because, you know, the last few years, first base has really struggled. I think if you kind of went down the list, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you looked at the production that the Brewers got out of certain positions, even last year, offensively, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised, but you could understand how it could be, you know, very similar to last year as far as the success despite not being a bunch of high-end moves. Because, kind of, no offense, but the bar was probably pretty low at certain offensive positions. At first base, it was bad. At DH, it was bad. At second base, offensively, it was bad. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking at the combination of, you know, Reese Hoskins at first, you know, DH right now, a group of people, all kind of getting some getting some time there. Second base, you know, if you're th- thinking about maybe Bryce Terang just making improvement from his rookie year or Joey Ortiz or, you know, whoever ends up playing there. You know, more so, I think you can make that case. I know the pitching end is, I mean, it's going to be tough. Like, you know, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, tough to replace. But the things, a couple things to consider with that. Number one, last year, Brandon Woodruff didn't pitch a ton of the regular season. He was only pitched like 49 innings or something That's like right, that because yeah. he was hurt for much of the middle of the year. So, well, you know, Brandon Woodruff was great. Like, he didn't really pitch a ton last year. So you're not trying to necessarily replace, you know, 200 innings from Brandon Woodruff, it's 45 innings from him and the 150 or whatever else you cobbled together from other guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing I found really interesting in, in the immediate aftermath of the Corbin's Burns deal is kind of, you know, looking back on this team. And, you know, I think people look at 2018 as kind of the, you know, the flashpoint of like, okay, that was, you know, obviously that was the Brewers' best shot to get back to the World Series. They're a game away. Well, that team was not exactly known for a starting rotation. Right. Remember, the guy that pitched the most. Made the most starts was Yuli Shasin. Yeah, you know that team went into the or into the playoffs with Shasin, Wade Miley, and kind of spare parts. Right. You know, Freddie Peralta had started some, but he was know, Gio Gonzalez on that team. Gio Gonzalez yeah. was on that team. You know, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff were coming out of the bullpen, and mm-hmm. you know, Woodruff was doing a little long relief. But right, you know, they get, this that's, this actually surprised me. Because, but uh, do you know who pitched who started the second most games that year for the Brewers? <sighs> second most games. Second most games. I'm gonna know it too if I don't guess it right. I'm gonna know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will. I mean, it was one that I didn't when I saw it. I didn't think of it. I'm like, I guess. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But, um, it's wrong. It's not Matt Garza. No, okay. no, no. Matt Garza was, I was gone. By to think of, yeah, he was gone. But by it's. Them. I mean, you're kind of on the right path as far as you know, guys from that group. Really? I who? I believe it was his last year there. Chase Anderson. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I think Chase Anderson and Junior Guerra were the next two. Junior Guerra. Yeah, like, you're right. That team won because it had an amazing bullpen, kind of like a, a Frankenstein monster of a bullpen. Well, they had, what, Jeffries Hater coming in like seventh Yeah, they acquired Joaquin Soria, who I think mm-hmm. was really underrated for that stretch. Corey Knable. Knable, yep. Who kind of had his struggles but figured it out down the stretch. And they kind of, you know, used a little bit of kind of bubble gum and tape. To, to put up that rotation, especially down the stretch. It was like if you got a lead and you were going into the six or seven. That was kind of yeah, that was kind know. of the idea. Like find a way to get like five five and a half good innings out of your starter. Mm-hmm. Now that's gonna no for something like that. That's obviously going to require better offense because that team was good on offense. You had Christian Yelich was the MVP. You had Mike Mustakis acquired in a trade. Travis Shaw was really good. Low Kane. Lorenzo Kane had a you know an MVP caliber year. Jesus Aguilar was an All Star. Yep, but. It's one of those things where I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, kind of squint too hard to see how it could work. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you need some things to go right. But any any time a team in any sport has a successful year, it's because they get some breaks. Like make no mistake about it. You know that year in 2018, the team's catchers were Manny Pena and Eric Kratz, who. I mean, I I, I really like Manny Pena. I'm, I really like what Eric Kratz did that year. But those aren't exactly guys that you know overall are in the same category as a William Contreras. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it's just, I think that you can talk yourself into it a little bit, even if you're not super enthused about the offseason. At the very least, to say, okay, well, you know what? We'll see. And I know last week you compared it to the Packers this year. We're just a no, mm-hmm. because there were so many younger guys. But you come out of the year knowing, hey, we, we feel pretty good about the quarterback. We feel pretty good about some different spots, like... Looking at the way the team is currently constructed right now, you're going to have younger players at second base. Bryce Terang, Andrew Monasterio, whoever, Joey Ortiz, Ortiz yeah. third base, Tyler Black, Joey Ortiz, you know, two outfield spots with with that you know whatever whoever emerges from that group of Freelich, Mitchell, Weimer, 
Churio, mm-hmm. you have to figure if he doesn't start with the team, it won't you know, the major league team. It won't be too long, right? And these are all people that are that were kind of ranked pretty high. It's not like these, you know, you're kind of crossing your fingers that oh maybe this young guy can figure it out. Like, these are people that have had success in the minors, mm-hmm. and you know Terang really struggled offensively, but you know last year. But you know you, you see what happens. Same with Weimer, but you see what happens when you give him a second off season. I mean that happens with certain people, right? Sometimes it takes them a little bit of time to kind of figure it out. You know, the one name that they mentioned in the article, it was just a quick line, but a, gay, a guy that we haven't really talked about, and maybe he doesn't have a role right away, Jake Bowers. Is is that, I mean, he's a first base option over there, but is he more like, okay, AAA and then maybe potentially? Well, like, I don't think he has any options left, so I don't think he okay. can, which that was a move that, I mean, especially earlier on, I think Brewers fans were kind of confused about because Bowers is a former, you know, pretty highly touted prospect, but just hasn't quite figured it out in the majors. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of traveled around a little bit, but... He's also somebody that I, I think the Brewers really like his kind of advanced numbers because he, you know, he hits the ball. You know, he he does the things a lot of the things that like analytical people like. He hits the ball hard. He hits the ball in the air. That kind of stuff. It's just mm-hmm. they're kind of thinking, well, let's let's take a look at him because yeah, he's a guy that you know I, I haven't seen very many people talking about, but like he's a guy that could you know play first base a fair amount if you know you have Hoskins DH a fair amount, but mm-hmm. you know left-handed bat that's got some power. Mm-hmm. But he's not necessarily a everyday starter. Yeah, well, like you know. a guarantee to make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he comes into spring training and struggles, you know, the team might decide to cut him loose. It's kind of is it kind of weird too the Gary Sanchez thing all of a sudden's a like bit. pause I mean, now. Yeah, there there hasn't it's kind of been radio silent on that, and you know, there's different reasons people have kind of you know, speculated. But you know, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Robert Murray said he, right now he doesn't have any reason to expect it won't get done. Mm-hmm. It's just you know maybe it's. You know, because he, he broke his wrist at the end of last year. Maybe it's something with that, or you know, the you know the Brewers would have to you know if they signed him, he would be on the forty man roster. And right now, it's full, so maybe there's some speculation too. Well, you know, maybe they're working on a, a trade or something that would free a spot up. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's a few people I think you could just as easily just you know designate for assignment. So, right. But yeah, it's just been odd that it was there and then suddenly like there's been nothing. Right. Yeah. So. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Don't forget, if you don't mind, take a few seconds to give us a five-star rating on like Spotify and Apple and a positive review on Apple so others can find the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for always tuning in. Appreciate the, the, the support as always. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.